as we're coming into this from Feast of Dragons, we're transitioning into a new history, mm-hmm. but it's also not new. Mm-hmm. This is familiar. We know the places. We know the names. A lot of the names are the same, kind of, because it's like, you know, you get named after your you grandma. Mean, like people's names? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. Places so, definitely have the same names. Totally. Yeah, that'll connect you to a different time. And the people, too. It's like, I know someone named Ronald. Right, exactly. It's Somewhere kind of down like the line. Ronald. Right. So that's already what George does. He's like a little bit off usually from the thing. And then we know someone named Ronit. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, okay. <laughs> see what you're are doing. these things connected? Am I confused? That's the thing. They are connected. Right? I think so. But I think we'll get into that. I don't know. Or we won't because whatever. But I liked the chapter a lot, actually. A little bit more than I thought I was going to like it. Because... My thought coming into Fire and Blood was, and things I've heard about it, I listened to it. I think we talked about it on the last episode. I listened to it the Mm. first time I went through it. I've never read through it. I've only ever listened to it. And so I think that's a little bit of an easier thing, or it's like that's a different experience. And so I... Sorry, go on. Well, I had heard that this read very much like a textbook, which it kind of does. But so I was a little bit worried coming into it that... It would just be a bunch of facts, and it would be kind of hard to glean the vibes off of the story. But I felt like even in this first chapter, we got a couple of really cool tidbits that made me laugh out loud or that made me think or pause. Mm -hmm. And I was not necessarily ready for that. I think I just didn't have high enough expectations. And so it was exciting for me to get deep into this and to feel like we're back in our rhythm with it because I think that we're going to be able to glean a lot out of the story that I just didn't get the first time around. Yeah, definitely a different experience if Mm -hmm. you read this versus listening to it. Totally. This is one of those books that I think it sort of unfairly feels more attractive to listen to it because of the kind of information that's being told to you and the way that it's being told to you. Whenever I reread books that I really like, a lot of times I do the audiobooks because it's less important to me mm-hmm. because I've already read them. And so the mental landscape that you build without the filter of someone else's wor- thoughts, saying words, how they think that they should be said or reading scenes in a way or expressing how a, a certain character would say the word what in response in a, a situation where it's so open-ended, that filter is something that we would do ourselves. Right. And like I said, it feels a little unfair for this one because I listen to it also. And reading it like this in the style that we read with taking notes in expectation that we're going to have a conversation and we want to have stuff to say to each other Mm -hmm. about it. And and to those of you listening who are reading along with us, who are reading and then listening to a podcast episode, I feel like you also know going into it that you're sort of making an agreement with yourself to try to get a little bit more out, out of it. So... It is obvious, but that confirmation bias is is really apparent in this particular reread, or I guess you would call it reread, but a sure. first physical read for me for this book. I definitely feel it when I re when I physically read with my eyeballs other books that I really like. I, I get a lot more out of it than I do from the audiobook experience. Just so much more. But uh, like I said, I think this one is sort of fire and blood, at least so far is sort of specifically positioned to make me feel stupid for listening to it and not reading it because of those moments. 
of uh, where it's sort of like, I think we could probably point it toward the moments where it feels like the narrator is being unbiased, but also when there's these slices of imagery, I'm thinking of the moment where, uh, where Egan and his sisters were flying over the field of fire and looking down at the battle. Those are moments where it uh, feels like the old story, where it's less of an account and like this is a moment, and also where he's got an attitude, where George or Scepter, not Septon, uh, Archmaester Gildane has a specific opinion that's obvious to see through. Right. And, uh, yeah, I feel like the specialness of that stuff, you miss it with an audiobook, so I'm glad that we're physically reading it this time. Me too. Yeah. You get more into the, less of the overarching, this is the narrative kind of running through your head, okay, I'm getting the key touch points of what was happening, and more of those little personal moments. And there were a few, like I, like we were both saying, sprinkled in. Yeah, when when someone's personality is getting described to you, not by some guy going, right. it, it feels it, like you're in school feel, a little bit yeah. when you're listening to it. I feel closer to them whenever it's described like that. So that's cool. And I feel like we're approaching a point right now with our conversations about the story where what George has done with himself passively from writing this book, we're going to get a little bit more of that benefit. I feel like he has, he's made fire and blood and it's like he has been, it's like he's lifting weights for writing six and seven. Right. It's like, okay, you have the, you have the, the framework so well plotted out that the decisions that you make, or rather the characters, the decisions that they make in Westeros now have even more of the connected tissue and evidence that you were you were giving us from people's accounts like Old Nan in the story or the Ghost of High Heart in the story. And we just have more of it now. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I said, he's just more buff. He's just really ripped, more ripped than before, but he's older. So it's it's like a balance, a balancing act. Plus he's a lot more popular, so there's a lot more eyeballs looking exactly. at him. So, hmm, he's very intelligently lifting weight in preparation for a fight toward the end of his Some career. Some might say, so are we. We're lifting weights, ready for fire for the TV show. Uh, lifting weights. Hmm. <laughs> or, or trying to be relevant. I think, like you're saying, and kind of connecting another thought that I was having a little bit at the beginning was we get to be in the nitty-gritty of a lot of these stories and lore and things that we've known about. There's nothing in this chapter we knew about the Field of Fire, things mm. like that. We mm. knew about Aegon's Conquest. We knew about the dragons and all that kind of stuff. I personally haven't sat down and spent a lot of time with it because, you know, we're busy in Westeros in our time and I'm worried about Sansa instead mm-hmm. kind of thing. And so we can also, like, flex our muscles a little bit and grow that base. But why would we want to? Why would anyone want to do a thing like that? Because it's going to make the TV show a more fun and exciting experience. Okay. That's why I'm doing it. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I'm curious. I'm really looking forward to people sending in your thoughts because I could be totally wrong and I could be one with just a bad opinion. But I think that wouldn't be the first I am time. <laughs> assuming it will and it won't be the last. I'm assuming that everybody is a little timid about this at least that's how it feels and, and, so, and tippet about the way they sort of say that they feel about it probably yeah, exactly in a way. and so maybe we not. can work it out 
as we go through the chapter and kind of pull out some of those human moments that we're talking about, some of those familiar moments, some of those storylines that seem exciting, even though we're still pretty far ahead, we're 80 years ahead of where the show is going to take place, House of the Dragon. So we have a little bit of time to catch up, but we're laying that foundation. And day one, before conquest, after conquest, we pretty much pick up. Yeah, it cuts right to it. Right into the midst of the conquest. We don't Mm -hmm. really get a lot of information about what was going on before other than a couple sentences and paragraphs and highlights. That makes sense, because Aegon's the guy, it's the focus. Right. But they they needed to give the sort of thesis statement, not the thesis, but the, uh, really just the, whenever I reached the end of the chapter, I thought back to the start of the chapter. I forget the guy's name, which is going to be analogous for a lot of this. He's a very important (laughs) person, and I want to know everything, and I like that part of, uh, I like deep family trees of characters, because it is satisfying to, to, uh, know why things led to other things and to also know uh, the context of Sirius and his cousins and how they're against each other now. But back then they were kids. Mm -hmm. That dynamic being being spread out and learning about it, that is satisfying. That's fun. But it's going to be impossible to do for this book. It's going to be impossible. I can't remember the first... Targaryen's name, who, who I like I said, sort of spiritually represented to me the vibe of what Aegon and his sisters, what, what it's clear to me that they're bringing to the world, not just Westeros, but to the world. And it kind of started that little itch that made them different, whether it was the dreamer seeing the, uh, the prophecy, whether it, just listening to it, that itch, that specific itch, I think is the genius in that they just look at it differently than other people. Totally. Like, Go on. Well, and I like that because it's not like they were richer or more powerful or more influential because mm-hmm. they of the Dragon Riders because they weren't. I found that piece pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. They're just some random guys who are kind of not the best, not the worst. They're just out there. But they had this different idea yeah. and they had this different itch or realization and they made a move that ended up completely changing the trajectory. They would have been wiped if they hadn't. Yeah made that choice to go. And so I think that that's a good insight is that they have this, that set the tone, not because of money or because of power, Mm -hmm. but just because of a different way to do stuff. Looked at it differently. Right. Yeah, but they, not being the most dynamic or the most powerful, but being from such an ancient seat of power that has deep roots in the planet. (laughs) They're, they fail up in Westeros. How do we, like, where do we have to be from to fail up? You got to go somewhere that has just way less than what, (laughs) which so, if you're looking for a kind of how to go into a new thing and root it out, this is like a more storied account of uh, Machiavelli's, I forget what it's called. It's just the sort of play by play of the balance of power and adoration. And I think one of the most interesting uh, elements of that was seeing the leadership of pre-existing Westeros juxtaposed with the tens of thousands of people celebrating how cool Aegon looked on the back of Valerian in Old Town. It's like, hmm. So all that structure that perpetuates this idea that we live in is ripe for the picking and also 
exciting enough for new ideas to constantly come into it to make it always better. It's like it's it's so attractive and exciting. That's why there's all this opportunity there. That's why the cities, that's why the Egenfort is going to turn into King's Landing because we all have a reason to congregate and to like expand and to inject goodness into something. So on that account, we should have all the progress and technology and all this cool stuff all the time because there's so, it seems easy. Cause it's so exciting. We're all here together. Look at, look at all yeah. this cool. There's so many people and all yeah. this wealth and all these rich ideas. But what you really see in this chapter is that that is like the, the progress of it all is being halted by, just old ideas that have yet to let go they really only focus on protecting the walls that they've built they don't they don't try to bring in the life that i'm talking about that is attracted to it in the first place they actually try to hold it away until the very last second but all of these people that don't have any of the benefits of these walls having power that just live within it that listen to those people they're in a position to not feel intimidated by these newcomers they have no reason to feel intimidated by them. They're being controlled by people anyway. And you see with Hair and the Black's people how little they supported him and how little help he had in the end when it came time for them to actually put boots on the ground and march against Aegon and his men when they came to when they came to Heron Hall. So why keep doing it? Right. I guess you can really get away with it for a long time if you get God involved. And so that part of this is going to be cool to see unfold even more specifically. But it was, it was, it wrapped around at the tail end and it was like, and by the way, if you thought anyone else was hypocritical, wait till we get to these guys. Like this is the, the grandest city in Westeros. I, I saved a couple sentences. It was like, okay, I get it. It sort of beat us over the head with the, the high towers of the high tower, the richest and grandest city of, of all of Westeros surrounded by walls and the seat of the high septon. That's what happens, though, when you get the bird's eye view of everything. And so you're talking about Harrenhal. Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder what those conversations were actually like in and outside of the castle as he's coming, marching on. Or maybe what Game of Thrones would have been like from... If you, when you, maybe I should just read the spark notes to see what that version that's what of this that felt is like. like. By the way, that's what it felt Most like, exactly. Notes, yeah. And so you just yeah, get a lot did. of the high points. So it felt, it felt like Aegon comes in so easily yeah. and just heralded by the small folk because the guys in charge seem like they don't know what's going on yeah. or they're self-serving or they're old ways right. and nobody cares about the kind of thing anymore knowing that it's probably much more complicated than that in the day to day but For sure. I think kind of like you're saying because Aegon is the guy yeah. and the one mm-hmm. and the guy I guess is all I know how to say he's definitely going to be heralded heralded especially in the text about What's That's going true. on with him? Yeah, the, the historical account's going to be biased toward—it's not going to really talk about anything other than the success, right? Unless the the shortcomings were, I guess, uh, evident—if they gave evidence to uh, something down the line that he made that's going to be his downfall. Like, it would right. show the examples of an early mistake, really. Right. Like it's, this this archmaster that George is, uh, like, filtering this perspective through, like, I guess what you could see that situation is, is that— um, he just wants to write a good book. So he needs to give like evidence to his ideas, mm-hmm. basically, that he suggests. Totally. So whatever he says about these people, he's going to like give 
reasons to why he believes that. Right. And it's going to leave out all the small stuff. But it, it was like watching Dune. It was like we we didn't need all of the conversations of, for lack of a better word, small folk. We we sort of get it. We, we, we get what's happening. But in A Song of Ice and Fire, we go into those, like with Nimble Dick, we go into very specific conversations about his life and it's a different way to draw out that greater context. And the way we're not used to. Exactly. But it's like way more fun to make a TV show about that, which is why House of the Dragon is going to be interesting. A million percent, Because there's all of that. But but you you read this and there's all of that perspective still there and there's all that potential and there's, I still get the impression for it. And as far as the way that the small folk were, we, like I said, those conversations we didn't get leading to the battle or after even in the after in the aftermath of it then being like well it could have been this way and yeah i guess i did learn my lesson or in the point of view of, some, of someone as they're fighting in the battle the way that they die represents the the actual shortcoming that was made them get to this point all along that thing i, I didn't really need it in every in every sure, circumstance sure. so it was fine sure. and the way that he wrote it he wrote it to where he gave all these kings like Arjlak, for example the sort of fitting ends and the fitting transitions from how they, I guess, not even how they began or where they were at this point, 300 AC or uh, 300 years uh, before where we are in the story. Mm-hmm. The current people, the current families that hold those positions of power. Right. But it was enough details. I agree you know? with you. Like and it was I... all justified. It was kind of like a... I guess just fast and so perfect, so perfectly, so perfectly exemplifying what vibe he clearly wanted these areas of Westeros to sort of come out with and then why they get replaced. You know what I'm saying? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I get what you're saying. And there's a couple points that I'm thinking about on that front. The first is the north. And we spend very little time there in this chapter. But we get just a couple sentences, and he's the first guy to kneel. Or not the first guy, but he's the king who knelt. Yeah. And you can feel the— I remember his name, by the way, Torrin Stark. It's quiet there. It's quiet, and so we don't get a lot of the convo or the mm-hmm. back and forth. So it's very northern kind of sternness, I feel like. I kind of got, like, that yeah. energy from that. Like and stoicism. Then, yeah, yeah, stoicism. That's what I was thinking of. And then you get the eerie, mm-hmm. where the kid just like, come on in. Yeah. That feels so much like the vibe of the eerie, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And then we get Hall with the glowing of the stone as it burns, which just adds to kind of the spooky ambiance that we already feel. Yeah, we get the, the origin story the of place. it mixed right. up with everything. Exactly. So it's like you're saying, we have these little vignettes setting the stage for how we would eventually come to feel about these places that we've already feel that opinions way about. on. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think it's a cool, simple barrier of entry into... Yeah. Yeah. The world of ice and fire, for a lack of a better <laughs> term, maybe better than the world of ice and fire. Even though I think that this chapter is like pretty much copied from the world of ice and fire. But anyway, neither here nor there. Hmm. But I think it's a really, it's a low barrier of entry. Again, something I was surprised by because it reads like, reads like a textbook, but we get a lot of really interesting snapshots. There's enough of that, that personalness, like I was saying earlier, that comes through, whether there are moments that were... Remind they remind you like it's from the book, like it's a sort of zoomed in for a second, or it's the narrator having a little bit of sass. I think that helps the pages continue to turn. Definitely. Yeah. And I'm curious to see how other chapters follow suit because I'm. I know that there's gonna there's about to become 
so much more complication just exactly. on an interpersonal level of how people treat each other. And I got to say that in books in general, that's the, my least, I'm least interested in that. Yeah. The, uh, some, for, in this case, some old guys, like how he thinks girls fight with each other is just not, I don't, I'm not <laughs> having fun with that. And yeah. even if you got it right, I just don't want to hear him fight, you know? Right. Just, uh, I don't know, do something else. I don't. No offense to girls. There's one thing that I did. Think. I don't want to hear guys fight either. I want to see them fight. <laughs> right. <laughs> I want to see girls you don't fight see girls too. Fight? Okay. I want to see girls fight more than I want to see guys I was fight. Say, let's for get sure. It, let's get it. Our facts straight. For here. sure. That would bother me, but it would also I would be conflicted. Which that's the, what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. That was th- that was this chapter mm-hmm. in general to me. It was like, oh wait a second, that's how these guys messed up, and then that's how you did good. So you're, are you? What you're telling me is. Okay. All right, George. So you what you're what you're saying is I forget the guy's first name and I wrote it down. But blank Tyrell that just being there and being like the gardener hey, guy? Yeah. He's like I happen to have the keys. I don't I don't know if he was the gardener for House Gardener, but I know that he worked for House Gardener. Do you think he was the gardener for House Gardener? Cuz that would be most definitely one. <laughs> I don't know. Either way, that would help my point. That would bolster my point. Let's call, let's say that he, I think his name was, uh, I can't remember his name, but quick shout out to Brandon Snow. That Tyrell who was chilling when Aegon came, right? So you're telling me he's the foundation of our current Tyrell seat of power, the hordes of wealth, the political influence, the power, let's just call it power. All the power that they have now is from this guy. Who just ha- from who that situation. There. So all he had to do was be appointed, and then he was in the position, and his family then subsequently was in the position to have access to greater power, a higher barrier of entry things that would give them greater profit. Like they're not trying to sell stuff at a store; they're they're trying to sell the the whole agricultural business of the reach slash anything else that they mine. Instead of just being normal people that work in a library. And it's not anything special that put him in that position other than just this circumstance. And that's a sort of zoomed in statement for the larger picture of what the three of them are doing right now in Westeros. I found the passage. Oh, go for it. So Aegon heads for Highgarden, hoping to secure its surrender before some other claimant could seize it for his own, because Highgarden already fell somewhere else. He found the castle in the hands of its steward, Harlan Tyrell, whose forebears had served the gardeners for centuries. (laughs) You're like, I thought he was a gardener. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't... That rules. (laughs) I gotta gotta learn to be embarrassed and that it's fine. Tyrell... (laughs) Tyrell yielded up the keys to the castle. He's not a gardener, but he was a rando. Yeah. Like, he's a rando. That's he, the point. He might have been a gardener, too. The point he is that he's a rando. He did some, yeah, some he yard made, work. He got his hands dirty, yeah. okay? So it's all, all good. Tyrell ye- At least watered plants. Tyrell <laughs> yielded up the keys to the castle without a fight yeah. and pledged his support to the he? conquering king. In reward, yeah. Aegon granted him High Garden and all its dominions, naming him Warden of the South right. and blah, 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 blah. So even if he wasn't a physical gardener, the vibe still stands. The vibe stands. That and, and it helps. He was just a guy right. who happened to be there. Uh-huh. 
right place, right time. So the he knelt, didn't try to do any funny business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and they were really fair. It's not like they were torturing people that they cared about. They were fair every step of the way because the whole step. time. They did not need not to be. The whole, they totally. Dragons. Exactly. <laughs> they well, I know. They weren't scared at all. It's so interesting yeah. to see because we get these first couple battles. We get Heron Hall and then we get the Field of Fire. The Last Storm. The Last Storm. All of these things. Does the Field of Fire happen after, before or after the Starks? Because... So we, it's, it's, it's before. before. Yeah. So they're kind of starting to hear. They hear about it. Winterfell, they hear about everything. The yeah. Eerie, Dorn, Old Town. Everybody hears what's going on. Oh, yeah. And they realize mm-hmm. for good reason, there's absolutely nothing we can do. I kind of feel bad for those first guys who are just, we could do this. We've got 30,000 men the or whatever. Right by King's Landing. The right. small castles that were in the contested land that no one really wanted to mess with. They're like, mm, there's nothing here. It's kind of everybody's and nobody's at the same time. He's like, this is where we're going to do our thing. Smart. To oh, yeah, start. Right in it. Because you got to flex. And the thing the thing is right. They have dragons. So right. they could have burned everybody. But instead, he gave this rando. That's a really smart political move because now this rando who had, who was just a guy, yeah. maybe a gardener, we're not sure, sure, now has a lot of power. And House Tyrell. And they're going to have the best crops of, of all. Totally. <laughs> because and, of that. Look at what they're able to do 300 years later. And that's so, what I'm saying. Yeah, so, that's exactly, yeah. So it seems to me like, the, I, and I'm interested to know if there's other points for the for the rest of the chapters sure. we have coming. I'm but sure. It feels like the point of this chapter is take everything really seriously, super serious. Wait, no, no. Don't take anything seriously okay. <laughs> at all. Because what's his name? Harlan Tyrell <laughs> started this whole thing. With the Tyrells. But also take stuff really seriously. But also take it so seriously. Because after all these battles, all the swords get sent down the river. So cool. That was cool. That was really This is totally random, but I'm going to read the line. As the dragons gorge themselves on the dead after Castle Rock and Highgarden are defeated. Preach. Aegon commanded that the swords of the slain be gathered up and sent down river to make you know what, you know where. And so there's some reverence. That's so cool. To do. Right. To take your thing that you were doing and then to turn that into the thing that you sit on. <laughs> Just take all the stuff from that thing. And it's, it's like having the right decorations in your house. Not some not some stuff you think people will like, but right. this is me. Right. This like he's got his posters <laughs> on the wall. Yeah. Like for real. Right. And some of the swords are not twisted because they're the guys that gave Torn them to Stark him. Swords, yes. But there are some of the, the swords men. that are just completely done they for. They fought because too hard. They, yeah. They, they just wriggled around. They didn't know when to quit. Right. See, that's funny. There's 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 people like Argilac the arrogant that I remembered his name. I liked him. But I didn't. Say, imagine if your nickname was the arrogant. Is that really good or really bad? You know. I think that the the point is, (laughs) he's the type of person that it's like I don't care. You know, like I will die. Sure. Even though I know I'm gonna die, he's like I will die. Sure, I would. I would rather just die in this fight, and I would rather other people that I know and care about die too because I don't like you, and I don't really like what's going on. And instead of trying to keep going he's just like let's die instead he's the guy and i know we're gonna do this so much in, in fire and blood so everyone will just have to forgive us he's the guy who died with us wanted to die fighting with a sword in his yeah, hand with yeah. the curse on his lips and the sword in his yeah. hand he, he had a pile of he had a dozen men surrounding him at the point yeah. of the story where, where the story zoomed in he'd been everywhere. thrown from his horse and uh he was old and he still fought like that and uh, that was part of the reason why between he and heron i liked him more because he was the guy who 
wasn't totally shit to his people. He was an asshole, and he was from a time before a, a time before minds like Agen and his sisters were able to be in charge of stuff, where it was the kind of brutality and the kind of, like I said, a person who's just willing to straight up die and to not think more strategically. They were able to sandwich themselves into seats of power and keep themselves there, really, and I think that's part of what George is saying here, because of the people that laid foundations before them. Not really even because of their own strength. And then at some point, a genius idea comes to challenge that structure. And that's what we're seeing here. They did have the strength, but they also just had that that mind to, to think differently. To go to Westeros, you know, to, or sorry, to go to Dragonstone, to leave uh, Ovlyria, to, you know, like, pit people against each other in strange ways. Let's <laughs> see that there's this body of land that is ruled by a lot of different kings that it's volatile all the time. They're always kind of squabbling. And so... And very easy in, and see well seemingly so because we get the high love of you. But what do you think he wants, Aegon? Yeah, I feel like we it's learned so, so much less about him. We do because okay, so I was wanted to talk about this a little bit earlier, but then we started talking about other things. But Aegon, he as he's described in the book as an enigma. <laughs> wow, so powerful, <laughs> really gets me going. One of the greatest warriors of his age, but took no pleasure in it. Humility. <laughs> Never participated in tournaments because he wasn't trying to flex. He only flies on his dragon when he's going into battle or if he like has to get somewhere really fast. Really fast. Sometimes they walk. He has a commanding presence that drew Bannerman, but no close friends. He has one friend from school. That's a little sus. Oris Baratheon. And then the other thing that they mentioned time and time and time again is that he just put on for his wives. Yeah. All he, he didn't want anything else. They were babes though. So, can't really blame him. You can't really blame him. Plus, how do you go down from them, honestly? Especially when it's like the only other two women who are riding dragons in the whole That's continent. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. How do you go down from them? But still, that one girl tried. She sent a pic. Ten yeah, years she a little did. too late. Yeah, she did. <laughs> that made me laugh. She literally texted him a selfie. <laughs> yeah, she did. And said, you up. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, He didn't nah. even reply. No, he didn't even reply. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but time and time again, he could sell these marriage roles like I don't want to do that to my wives especially in a time when everybody was out here even though he we hear about him favoring um Rainies over Visenya is it Rainies or did mm-hmm. I call her Rhaenyra earlier it's tough Rainies. hard to say hard to say anyway he seems seemingly has no faults yeah seemingly he's nice to all these guys he gives them warning when he's about to burn their castle down. He's like, are you sure? Heron Hall is like, you're sure about that? You really want to sit in there? And um, Heron is like, yeah, I'm good. My castle's made of stone. And then he's good on his word, burns the thing down. Yeah. But then he gives a rando, da-da-da. He is like a seemingly nice guy. Yeah. He, he thinks the Greyjoys are unfair. He's like, I don't, we're like, I don't yeah, like what so you're do doing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so do we. Yeah. And we're like, we know what happened at Heron Hall, so you're really screwed. Right. Well, that's good. Was there anything that you didn't like? About this chapter? I want to get back to Aegon, but... but Oh, about Aegon. I want to get back to him, but not about Aegon specifically. Like, is there anything that he didn't confirm for you? Because I know that there's later, like, a lot of really... A lot of really, like, uh, yeah, feminism, you know? Sure. We were just like, yeah. He did that. Are you trying to ask me about my feminist agenda? No, not yet. Not yet. We'll wait till we get to those chapters. I'm, but I just mean, is there anything that he didn't go rah, rah? There's or has, one, was it all obviously There's perfect? one thing that I thought you would have thought that 
he didn't go into that I thought you would have thought would be interesting mm. is at the very beginning when it says, for the best part of a hundred years after the doom of Valyria, House Targaryen looked east, not west, and took little interest in the affairs of Westeros. Yeah. You get that like one line, who knows what the heck was going on in, wait. For like 400? East. For a hundred years. Yeah. East of Westeros. Like all that kind of stuff that I feel like is... Well, kind of up your alley. It would still interest me too because they just left and that's where everything like was that's happening. where the world was. And these yeah. this was this was how we see a lot of uh associate culture to them. They were the height and that so the, the dog eaters were in Westeros. And so it was like, eh, it's like the Gallic to the Roman Empire. Like we might go there. There's no need for us to go there. We have roads. And so you leave the Roman Empire and stuff happens, but there's still there's still the whole Mediterranean Sea and all the other stuff that's interesting about it over it's there. It's been a hundred years. Yeah, but a hundred years is a bit long to be focused Thinking on. Thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. So who knows what happened. But anyway, I read that and I thought that was something that you would be like, wow, why can't we expand on that more? <laughs> well, um, I mean, I would love to have more expansion on the, the on the stuff that we want to know about. It seems like we don't get. It seems like we get. we are getting the evidence to support why we feel like we need to feel about stuff. But I think that I'm fine. My expectations for fire and blood are on the floor. And that's not a bad thing necessarily. My expectations for winds of winter are there's no way they're going to be met, yeah. you know? Because it's just through Keep right, Exactly. And Keep so flexing, brother. When we talk about stuff in fire and blood whether it didn't go into enough detail or Da, da, da. This my my opinion might change as we get deeper into the chapters, but I just had a good time reading I did about too. it. Yeah, you know, I did too. What more do I need necessarily? And there's not a lot of like I was saying, new information. Kind of new the bare the bones of all this kind of stuff. The stuff the book's been out for a while. Yeah. you know, so it's not like anything about this was necessarily surprising. But mm-hmm. my expectations are low. I'm just here to have a good time. Yeah, me too. Whereas yeah. with a song of ice and fire. I'm not here to have a good time. I'm here to have a scholarly <laughs> <to> time. <laughs> not true, necessarily. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. So I don't really have any expectations. She, the more she shat, the more she drank, the more she yeah. drank. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. So. Man. Uh, what were we saying? Everything is fun. So Song of Ice and Fire, we get the mystery through the way vastly more artistic form of these characters having conversations and emotions with each other rather than the zoomed out one. That's cool. That's fine. We love it. We love it. But again, this is still just a lot of evidence. So maybe it's like, if you like A Song of Ice and Fire or you like Game of Thrones and then you go to listen to a podcast about it or to make one, you're trying to get something more out of the thing. You just want more out of the thing. This is like that. Exactly. This is just, you want more of the thing? Yeah. And like I said, it's a dual purpose because he got to flex that and get the muscle from publishing. Just a GRM Marillion, basically. But just specific on the Targaryens. Less about... Sorry, buddy. Less about the planet. We still are getting, it's like A Song of Ice and Fire still in that. It's still zoomed in enough. It's Targaryen zoom. So it's still. It's Westeros zoom. But it's still mean, just through the Targaryen thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, I get what you're saying. It's like I we're still saying. getting Westeros. You're right. Just like we still get Westeros from the book. Mm-hmm. But this is stuff we already know. Yeah. Just in a new form. 
we already have the feeling from it. We already kind of have like, when we were told how the Iron Throne was made, we're like, oh, okay. We kind of formed it, had the just that, and that's how they got here. And then that's how, whenever the the TV show started, I'm trying to think about it. Like in a general, like what's the most general way you could have an opinion? You go, okay, so that's why before the TV show started, they need to kill the Mad King because he was from people that came and conquered everyone and they made this big chair and then eventually they, they went crazy. This kind of takes away from that uh, a little bit because he's seemingly so straightforward and less weird. So I guess you really have to, as you're reading this, not take everything for not not take it all word for word just like in history class yeah because it's a bias yeah too bias it's a bias account of right the people who won and i know that the stuff later is gonna Made get by the people who won yeah it's gonna get like uh keeping up with the kardashian mm-hmm. just because they the march marie still gilday wants you to think a certain way about the stuff that happened to these people when they were like this. Right. And then this happened. Hmm. It's going to be fun because there's going to be a lot of... It's so much easier to form an opinion or to decide for yourself what something or someone is like when you don't have a lot of information and you get just a couple bullet points. And so I think that's going to make for an interesting read because our imagination gets to fill in some of those convos and then eventually down the line... The TV show is going to pick up on some of those when we get a little bit farther into the book. Yeah. And so. Like just picking up where it left off, just borrowing from it. Yeah. And, and just the, making it, it's just doing the same thing really, just feeding back into the system, making, just giving more context to this. It makes me more, and it, exactly. And it makes me feel more and more confident in the choice to do what they decided to do with House of the Dragon. Hmm. Yeah, I think that, I was thinking about that when I was reading it too, and if this is exercise for the rest of the books, then that could be exercise for the rest of the series, if you if you catch my meaning. That maybe we're all settling into a long plan with this story, or at least the people that are in charge of making stuff and also get to make money from the things that they do for it are trying to do. Like maybe trying to establish a long thing and that this is just... A, a piece in that. A piece in it, mm-hmm. yeah. Like yeah. A, a vignette into what the greater plan is. Right. Maybe. If it, if, it's, if it keeps going good. like, And it's just like Aegon's Conquest. If it keeps going good, then it might just snowball into you getting co- coronated. Right. I mean, that's kind of what happened to GOT. Eventually, it was like, it was all, it was causing so much noise that the, the, the lords of Westeros, the kings of Westeros, that's how old the story is, were like... Ugh, who's screw this guy? Yeah, we need to start getting together, man. Right. So the Reach gets together with with the Rock, and then it's like, okay, the Westerlands are here to represent. We're going to kill this shit out of these people. We have more people. We have five thousand knights, fifty thousand regular infantry. We have so much highborn vibe in this that we're going to outsmart them at the very least, and then Psych. they burn them all to death. Right. Yeah. But then we get Dorn. You hate to see it. Loved Dorne's little vignette oh, so in this good. chapter because I would love it was too good actually. Miria Martell, yeah, yeah, they come into Dorne yeah. flying around, everything's empty, Looking. they can find nothing. After, like you were saying, we already got all these guys who are marching out there doing their best, mm-hmm. 
And now they fly over to conquer a Dorne. Mm-hmm. And no one's there. No one is there. Rainey's arrives. This 80-year-old woman is sitting there. It's who they call the Yellow Toad of Dorne <laughs> behind her back, I'm Was assuming. Was it Argelac that called it that? Yeah. Just more color on that guy. She's sitting there. They don't even have much of a conversation. She's like, we're not doing this. Yeah. And then somehow, for some reason, Rainey's is like, okay, but we'll come back later it's if you're busy. It's because no one was there. It's, it's because they they try, They basically were like, we're going to do this so complete. Now with you just visiting, imagine how much of a pain in your ass we're going to be if you guys really want to mess with us. And plus, like, look, we're not even like showing off. Just yeah, but burn just the place down. Alone. Burn That's the whole true. place no, down. You're right. You're right about that. But so it was just, she it was such. Because she liked her, maybe? Right. Like, what kind yeah. of powerful energy? Yeah. She was like, okay, well, we'll come back. And then Miria says. such a good, says, good thing you picked up on. Says, yeah, we'll see about that. Yeah, and then it's another. Unbound, unbroken are our words. How long is it? He gets, he gets coordinated for the Seven Kingdoms, even though Dorne is still The second one. The second one, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Even though Dorne isn't part of it, and Dorne's not going to be part of it for a million more years. Yeah. Not really, but it's they like just kind of— like a hundred more years of, of BS. The whole Dorne thing, everybody else tried to flex in some way, whether it was they marched on him or they knelt or they sent pics of themselves mm-hmm. asking if he's up. Yeah. Not— Dorn, I know they all went to hiding, but she just sat there and was like, "Not today." And right. that was it. That mm-hmm. was all it took for them to leave Dorn alone, essentially. I mean, it's a, it's a <laughs> at this point, and that's kind of these are what if so powerful. What if these seven kingdoms are? Um, I forget how many uh, points of contest contestion there was in this uh, first chapter, but these what are these nodes that they're dealing with through the course of this book are like uh, like the personality traits actually of these people too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, like yeah. what if it's like. If you just were like, if you didn't flex, if you didn't send your selfie, if you just chilled, then it would, they would leave you alone. Yeah, but and he's like making a greater point of like showing basically these nations as having these very specific personality traits that are like what represents most most characters in these books only have like a couple different like exactly. really specific personality traits. It's like the the vibe behind the house words. Exactly. Kind of thing. Yeah. And it's super cartoonish. Mm-hmm. In, a, in a lot of cases, it's way more subtle. It makes it fun. It's I don't know. It's a little, a little boring for me sometimes. But in the book, it's so much more. I keep, I keep calling them the books, even mm-hmm. though this is a book. So that's how it's going to be from now on for me. <laughs> I wrote that note on accident earlier. In the books, it's a, it's, it's more subtle, and so it's more fun for me. But um, I get it. I mean, I'm not trying to be highbrow. It's just when I read it, I'm like, oh yeah, they're that perfect. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a history. I mean, do you not remember? Think about. In history class in high school, all the stuff you learned I mean, in history. This is how I went to the principal's office, but go on. Well, okay. <laughs> Me, studiously taking notes, and then you go to college and learn about history, and it's nothing. Yeah. In the textbook that I read in high school that was published in the late 80s instead yeah. of when I should Houston have been Mifflin. reading it. Yeah. <laughs> could never. McGraw-Hill. Was just like couple. Was just Tim McGraw-Faith-Hill. Shout yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that their company? The most powerful hyphen. No, it's not. But. The colonists dumped the tea into the harbor and that was enough. You yeah. know, and that was a cool thing to do. Yeah. And then you get, you know, I minored in American history in school, whatever. Uh-huh. You like actually learn what happens and you think to yourself, wait a second, that was really annoying that they did that kind of thing. Yeah. And so... That's what I think when you're talking about it's cartoonish or we're just getting that's what's what we're getting is the textbook right, version yeah. that's yeah. meant to be 
read by the kids so they can buy into the whole thing. So which, it's not worth me being bothered about because that, you can't that's, be bothered. that's part of the artistic flex of the thing itself. Otherwise, it would be boring to read. Maybe. I mean, you could be bothered. But maybe that's why the Marvel movies are cartoony. Like, maybe mm. they would be boring if they were like Dune. No. Maybe Dune was boring. I think some people would say Dune was boring, but we had a good time. Even though I fell asleep on accident for 10 minutes. During the most crucial part. I but it doesn't matter. I had like a really it. fun time. Hmm. So, I'm not smart enough to know the answer yet. But I hope that at the end of Fire and Blood, I know the yeah. answer. I hope that I hope that this is like part of the lesson that George is hiding in it. A way to think about something. And I honestly kicked myself a little bit when I started reading it uh, earlier tonight. Because I felt, I felt disappointed for not using this resource of knowledge that I, I had. Because I was being a hater. Oh, I for not, personally. For not diving in deeper. Yeah. And getting the stuff out of it. Not the stuff about the story, but the stuff that George knows about the world exactly. that I don't know about. Another the, look into his brain. It's like it's it's like the story itself. It's like these stories itself. It's like I had an I have an idea about how to be, right? But I have so much more clear of an idea now that he's like laid it out so specifically. So I hope that there's better lessons later. Humbling. But I hope that my life also doesn't <laughs> become as complicated as a lot of these people. Although some of it sounds really fun. So When it's summed up like that, it sounds really fun for every single one of the scenarios. I don't know. There's some pretty crazy scenarios. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Is it time to pick our favorite to do our own? Yeah, let's do owns. And I also want to ask you, who's the best sister? Uh, who are you asking? Out of uh, Me? Yeah. Well, we all know who Egan favors... Who's the oh. best sister? I, can I not answer that question yet? Sure. The thing I like about Visenya is she seems, they describe her as unforgiving, mm-hmm. and she has dark sister. Yeah. It feels menacing. Oh, for sure. I'm obsessed with that. I'm kind of obsessed with her, too. Rainey's just seems like somebody, like a beautiful, mm-hmm. also powerful. Super powerful. Loves to fly. Yeah. A little more accessible. She's in tune. She's a little more accessible, yeah. it seems like. She's in tune. Yeah. She knows what's up. Probably the most confident person out there. Egan spends 10 nights with her for the one that Visenya gets. Visenya doesn't care, though. Exactly. That's, that's why. That's why I like and her. And the other girl would care more. Right. And they were like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Rainies might be Rainies. sleeping with these other Rainies, men. Rainies. I don't know. I might be saying it wrong. Might be sleeping with those men. Da, da, da. But there's no question that Visenya, even though she gets one night out of 10, is faithful. Powerful. So I guess maybe right now that would be my answer. What's your answer? Visenya. I don't know. That feels like, I don't know. I feel scared to like make a choice Draw about that. Draw your line in the sand people, like that? People really care about that kind of thing. Right, and like, I, don't I can't wanna... be friends with you, Hannah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to talk to you about Ice and Fire Con because you like Visenya. <laughs> yes. You're clearly more boring than me. Bring I it on. I can be swayed. So anyway, Visenya, I, I love her energy. So Sorry, it's not Rainies, okay? Because Rainies is Rainies. It's Rainus. Maybe. Could be Rainies. <laughs> It's hard. That's why the audiobook is cool. Who's your favorite sister? Uh, I don't have a favorite yet. You I, just made me answer yeah, you're the right. question. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give it to Rainus because what she did at the Vale was so, so good. She was just, she just swooped in. And uh, what was her name? Aaron? So, Sarah? Pit girl. Pit girl. She's the same girl who sent the pick. Oh, yeah, yeah. Herself. What's her name? Sarala? Shara. Lady Shara. S-H-A-R-R-A. Shara. 
or Shara. Aaron. Potato potato. Potato potato. What she did to share Aaron was awesome. That's actually my own. And share Aaron being smart enough to be like, I'm yeah. gonna be nice about the whole thing. Yeah. So chill. That's in a moment between those two people, that's what was happening in Old Town. That's that's what was happening at every point that the high lords that were pre existing, the, the leadership that were in Westeros before accepted. Aegon. That's what was happening. It was, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It's only because it it was tipped so completely in that favor. Right. And at the beginning of the convo, that was, I was trying to get to that point with a bunch of, a bunch of different words. I was trying to get to that point. The shifting in culture and how they do things changes in the same way. Like it has to, it, you have to fly in and like make that person change you have to make it change you can change it with the different ways that with uh, what's the list Argelac, heron dorn house aaron the westerlands the north these different ways that led to different conclusions that mixed with the certain personality types that could probably later be planned for based on those personality types is culturally exactly the same thing that's happening to Westeros. Like these small conversations. It's like it only changes if you force it to change. Right. And you can change it in certain ways. But Homegirl flew in and did with it. With dragons. She did it sweetly. Yeah. With dragons. Oh, yeah. You're but right. she had to have dragons to do it. I mean, that's have... a huge bomb. You're like, I know. It's, like you, no it's like you walked in with like a huge gun. And you're just like, hey, how you doing? Right. There's no choice there. There's no choice. But it's so much better when it's nice like that. Even if that person's talking shit the moment you fly away. Like, it was kind of nice. She she flew her kid around. Can I read it? Because that's my own. But she took her kid and took her kid to the sky. I want to read. I'm taking your thunder. Those couple of paragraphs. No, you're not. I'm just going to read to play off your thoughts because that's basically how I was feeling. So I want to read the whole paragraph. So bear with me for a second. Do it. Shara Aaron had strengthened the defenses of Goldtown, moved a strong host to the Bloody Gate, and tripled the size of the garrisons, or garrisons at Snow, Stone, and Sky, the way castles that guarded each approach to the Eyrie. This is after so many other things happened, so she knew what was up. All these defenses proved useless against Visenya Targaryen, who rode Vagar's leathery wings above them all and landed in the Eyrie's inner courtyard. When the regent of the Vale rushed out to confront her, that's cool, with a dozen guards at her back, she found Visenya with Ronald Aaron seated on her knee, staring at the dragon, wonderstruck. Mother, can I go flying with the lady? The boy king asked. Why is every man in the Eyrie just not good? Well, that's a whole different other conversation. <laughs> I have an idea. No threats were spoken because they <laughs> are breastfed until they're 15. Uh, probably. Um, most, mostly. I think the the... The mountain, it gives them just so much more. The air, they have like they less have, oxygen. You know, that's better. That's funnier <laughs> and better. We'll go with that. <laughs> no threats were spoken. No angry words exchanged. The two queens smiled at one another and exchanged courtesies instead. Love that. Because it's not necessarily nice. But they exchanged courtesies. Not nice at all. You talk, it's not nice at all. The Lady Shara sent for the three crowns, etc., etc., etc. Surrendered them to the Queen Visenya. And it was said afterward that the little king flew thrice around the summit of the giant's lance and landed to find himself a little lord. He got to fly three times around. <laughs> so puts in all the work to 
try to hold. Although, why would you think that you could do that when you're so high up in the sky? That's not going to help you against dragons, but do your best. All to be ruined by your weird son. Mm-hmm. That's my own. Too funny. Made me laugh out loud. Loved that moment. I like when rumor was that the Targaryens never went to Westeros. And then it was like, actually, they had a painted table made. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Like, well yeah. ahead of like, yeah. Oh. So what do they want? Maybe that's going to become more clear, too. That's a good question. Yeah. So I'm trying to find my own. These, I was like, oh, the notes, the things I wanted to talk about. Those things. Well, as you're looking for it, there was interest there. And then they spent 100 years looking elsewhere until... Mm-hmm. Okay, 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 okay. Keep going. I think this might have something to do with the God's Eye. Why, why did Heron the Black no, want to build Heron sure Hall right just, beside the God's Eye? I think I misspoke because I think you the table have, it, comes after they already moved to Dragonstone. They did, yeah, 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 they did. Yeah. Yeah, they moved it, but so did the Hundred Years. Yeah, but the table was part of the Hundred Years and Aegon had the table. Yeah, it was at the tail end of it. it. Was at he the did end, it like six so, years or so yeah, before exactly. something so like that. So there was some interest looking at it. yeah. The lore, they may have been there, may have not, right, rumors. So, but what if it's a deep, it's a deeper thing? What if it's a deep, like, what if they understood the supernatural element that we haven't really tapped into to figure out? Clearly that they had in some way figured it out in Valyria because they had access to technology that w- at least we don't understand. Maybe it was just high pressure, high heat, smelting with volcanic glass. Who knows? And they found some way to fold that ripple-like quality into their swords as well, not just having shards of a dagger. Fine. Or there's weirder ones because there have been Targaryens that have been gifted with things like the sight and who knows what else and other people like them from Valyria. Well, the dreamer. Yeah. Exactly. From Valyria. What if some of them are, are like, uh, you know, like the blood raven of the family at this point in the story and they're interested in the supernatural and maybe at some point maybe Aiken's been told about it. I don't know. I think that maybe they thought Westeros was less interesting to the potential power of the world because it was like maybe just like oh the terrain or the, the age of it or like why hadn't it been settled why hadn't there been great technology why there had been great levels of trade that had reached it so maybe that's why they just looked away they just assumed that there was nothing actually hidden there but they didn't know about the werewoods or anything like that maybe. i don't know there's something i think the god's eye is going to be we've talked about this a hundred times in the podcast but after zooming on the moment with uh with heron it's like okay What's going on? There's magic elsewhere, though, not yeah. just in Westeros. So. True, but which is why why look at Westeros? Well, if you don't know about it yet, yeah. What if we're finding yeah. out about it now? Yeah. I just think it's suspect, and uh, it's. I think that stuff is going to go down. Mm-hmm. I think that we're getting more of that groundwork being laid right sure. now. Sure. And maybe that's why they were interested in Westeros. Yeah, I don't know. Here's a known. Together, the three Targaryens watched from the sky as Aegon's army crossed the headwaters of the Blackwater Rush and raced south. I really like that. And uh, I guess I gave a, an own to Brandon Snow. I also gave a shout-out to Brandon Snow. I don't know what the difference is. I don't think there is one. Oh, a uh, shout-out to Princess Maria for talking like Oberyn. She was like, tell your brother. I said that. <laughs> and I was like, tell your father? I'm here. <laughs> I'm going to give it to this exchange, the definitive own between Aegon and Heron the Black. Yield now, Aegon began, and you may remain as Lord of the Iron Islands. Yield now, and your sons will live to rule after you. I have 8,000 men outside your walls. What is outside my walls is of no concern to me, said Heron. (laughs) Those walls are strong and thick, but not so high as to keep out dragons. Dragons fly. I built in stone, said Heron. Stone does not burn. To which Aegon said, 
When the sun sets, your line shall end. And then the description of how stone doesn't burn, but Ooh, wood sliding. and people and oh, the yeah, food the, yes. and the wool mm-hmm. does. Yes. That was a really good passage. So it's not just the the structure. It's also what it takes to maintain the structure. Yeah. That is vulnerable. Yeah. Mm. What are the secrets do you have, George? <laughs> Thank you for thinking of these things <laughs> so I don't have to. Right, so you can so, just enjoy them. So much easier just to be like, oh, okay. That's why YouTube videos are great. You don't need to learn how food works. You're like, that's how you do yep. it. <laughs> yep, you can just watch it. And then the world becomes what it is around us, everybody. We're <laughs> in it now. We did it. This was fun. This was great. If you have your owns, we'd love to hear them. We'd love to send them love to have you send them in. We'd love to send your owns back to you. Yeah. We will not accept these owns. <laughs> our next chapter is Reign of the Dragon. And so if you have owns either for this chapter or for our next chapter, you can send them to us in a number of different ways. You can find us on Twitter, on Instagram, by searching for Game of Owns, or you can send us an email to contact at gameofowns.com. Send in your thoughts, feelings, etc. We're doing this together. We're going to get hype for House of the Dragon. And we're in it. And we're going to practice for A Song of Ice and Fire. And by the end of all this, we're going to be, every every little thing that happens, and we'll be like, Gold Town. Oh, Gold Town. Right. I know, Gold Town. Right, we've been there. Right, we've been in Gold Town. So I I'm, think everybody else has already been there. No, they've been. They've been there. But <laughs> we're going to be there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe not. This was. Uh, I had a lot of fun. Thanks so much for um, hanging out. And uh, recording with me. I'm so happy. Another to be reading in it. order. Yeah. Started. High five. Um, thanks to everyone who's joining us on this reading order right now, and for everyone in the future coming to, uh, I don't know, read Fire and Blood and remind yourself about what the Targaryens are up to. It's a, it's a good time. The countdown to. There's other stuff to read, but is there? Yeah. The Countdown to Fire and Blood. Nope. This is called Fire and Blood. I'm going to do that a million times. The Countdown to House of the Dragon. I know we already got the trailer, but it feels like it's officially on now. We're racing against time, folks. We got a lot of chapters to get done before then. So um, Good luck to us. Good luck. And, and uh, <laughs> if you're reading along with us, send in owns. Uh, it's going to make the whole thing more fun. Um, what's the next chapter called again? Reign of the Dragon. Okay. Well. Now we're going to get into the nitty gritty of Aegon's. Rain, so maybe we will hate him after next week, next time, next chapter. See y'all later. See you then.